The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Friends, my heart is burning today. I want to share the fire with you. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for joining us on The Line of Fire. Are, Are you ready? Can I pour my heart out today? Can I speak honestly? Can I share with you what's burning inside of me? Well, I know I can, and I know that's why you have tuned in to the broadcast. Now, phone lines are open. Any question you want to ask me of any kind that relates in any way to the content of this broadcast or to anything I've written, and I think you got about 5 million words of writings to pick from and thousands of sermons to pick from, so anything you want to interact with me on, 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-348-7884. And I mean it when I say I'm wide open to hear from those who differ with me on any number of subjects. Okay. Let, let me be as honest and clear as I can as, as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. I have been grieved, as many of you have, over much of the state of the church in America for many years. And in particular, the charismatic church, because that's what I've been part of, especially. In other words, I've, I've preached in many settings all around the world, and of course all over America. But primarily, I've been in charismatic Pentecostal Circles. So I've seen so much good. I've seen so much that's wonderful. I've seen so much that's healthy, that's thriving. And I see a lot that's not healthy, that's not thriving. And of course, in the body as a whole. I'm not sitting here as the policeman. I'm not sitting here as the corrector in chief. I'm not sitting here as the one saying, I got it together. I don't know what all of you were doing. I got it together. No, all of us live by mercy. All of us live by grace. If we got what we deserved, even as believers, we'd be fried. We live by mercy, by grace, by the kindness of God, and we need one another. So I'm not here throwing stones. I just want to be honest and candid. When I wrote the political seduction of the church, it was not to bash brothers or sisters, but to say, we've got to get this right We've got to get this right, especially with the 2022 midterms and the 2024 elections. If we lose our vision, if we get obsessed with politics to the point that it blurs our vision of the Lord, if we become an appendage of of a political party, if we compromise our ethics, if we behave like politicians rather than as followers of Jesus, I mean politicians in the negative sense of the word, then what good are we? If the salt has lost its saltiness, What good are we? Some say, well, you just care about what the left has to say. You just care about the, the, you want to look woke to people. (laughs) Friends, I, I lost my credibility with the radical left a long time ago. Do you, do you honestly think friends, do you honestly think for a minute that if I said, I'm no longer voting for Donald Trump. If he runs again, I won't vote for him. 
that MSNBC would say, oh, Dr. Brown, please come on our show and tell us why you don't believe same-sex marriage is valid in God's sight. You think the New York Times would reach out to me and say, oh, Dr. Brown, would you write an essay explaining why you oppose transgender activism? You think CNN would say, oh, we'd be so pleased if you'd come on and talk to us about why you believe abortion is sinful. Oh, no, The View, The View will reach out to me and say, oh, Dr. Brown, we no, I'm, I'm to them a bigot, a homophobe, a transphobe. I'm, I'm to them a, a fundamentalist hater. I'm, I'm, I'm not to be taken seriously. Oh, I, I may be good for a quote here and there. And I'm talking generically. I'm sure there are individually good journalists in these different organizations that are seeking out truth and so on. But all <laughs> oh, you're appealing to, to the others, you want to appear woke. Oh, yeah, I'm going to appear woke. I believe in one God and one holy book, the Bible, and one way of salvation through Jesus, Yeshua alone for all people on the planet. I believe that there is a real devil. I believe that there are real demons. I believe that there is a real heaven, that there is a real hell. Oh, yeah, I'm going to appear woke. Everybody's going to like me. Oh, yeah, if you don't support a particular political leader and you're still a fundamentalist Christian, the world's going to love you. No. We're also going to hate you. It'd be one thing if you renounced your faith. It'd be one thing if you said there is no future punishment. It'd be one thing if you said, I don't want to believe the Bible's the word of God and you're some well-known Christian leader. Oh, then the others would love you. I, I saw someone, well, you're just, you're saying these things. You wrote that book because you're, 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 you're trying to appeal to those on the left to buy your book. Oh, yeah, they're going to come flocking. They're going to love Mike Brown books. Oh, yeah, maybe they'll get some of my others like Jezebel's War with America. They'll really like that one. Or The Silencing of the Lambs, The Ominous Rise of Cancel Culture and How We Can Overcome It. Or I'm sure one of their new favorites will be Outlasting the Gay Revolution. Oh, I'm going to become one of the, oh, the beloved of the woke crowd. <laughs> Friends, we've crossed the line. As followers of Jesus, we've crossed the line. I'm doing what I'm doing and saying what I'm saying, and in many ways speaking for you with the platforms that I have, because the, the world has been laughing at us. The world has been mocking us. The, the world has not taken us seriously be, because we compromised our testimony in so many ways. Just look at the way we treated each other. Just look at how rather than uniting around Jesus, we divided over Trump wherever you stood for him or against him. The way we treated one another was shameful. And the way that some of us put our whole trust and hope in the elections, if it goes down, it's over. As long as God is God, it's not over. Oh, you just don't care about the way the Democrats are running things. I care deeply. I haven't voted for a Democrat candidate maybe ever in my lifetime. Maybe I did. When Jimmy Carter was running and I was a new believer and I heard we we're going to have a born-again president the first time, and then, of course, it was Reagan after that. Yes, I'm a registered independent, but just my own convictions, the way I voted, I'm, I'm deeply grieved, very concerned about where things are going. It could get really, really bad. It could get much worse than it is now. It could be where broadcasts like this get shut down by the federal government. Could be. And God will give us another platform and another way to get the message out. And the more people try to kill it and stifle it, the louder it'll get. But it could be really bad. I'm fully aware of that. I've been warning about it for years and years and years. But as long as Jesus is Lord, that's what matters. And it could be that going through adversity, the church will grow and get healthier. 
and, and we'll give up some of our foolishness and get back to preaching the gospel while we stay involved politically. By all means, we should stay involved politically. By all means, we should not abdicate. By all means, even though it's a fallen, corrupt system because you've got people running it and people involved in it, by all means, we should not abandon it. We should raise up godly people to run for school board and city council and pray for godly people to be raised up right up to the president. And for those in office, we should be praying for their conversion and their salvation. And, and all along the way, we should vote. We should be informed. I encourage pastors to speak out about moral and cultural issues so the flocks are informed. And, and these are the things their kids are dealing with in school. Let's, let's inform, let's equip. That's what we seek to do every day here, to infuse you with faith and truth and courage. That's our goal. That's our, our calling and our purpose. By all means, but not at the cost of our testimony, not at the cost of our witness. Yes, people will lie about us, but please hear me. When the name of Jesus is mocked because of us, let me speak as a charismatic. Let me, let me share my heart for a moment as a charismatic. When the name of Jesus is mocked because of our failed prophecies and our false prophecies, that should grieve every one of us. When the things of the Spirit are mocked because people not only got things wrong, but they refused to repent or acknowledge it and just added false prophecy to false prophecy, that should grieve all of us. And listen, many of you know I differ with some of my brothers who are critics of charismatic Pentecostal things who I believe go too far in their criticism and often write people off who are believers but in error and, and, and sometimes throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know I've differed with them. And some, I feel, are doing a destructive work because of their methodology. But let me be as plain as I can be. If we as Charismatics and Pentecostals cleaned up our own mess and cleaned up our own house and took more responsibility and, and, and had more accountability and didn't exist sometimes in just some flaky fantasy world where it seems like anything can be said, anything goes, then these men and women wouldn't need to do a lot of what they're doing. Because as much as I differ with some of what they're doing or how they do some of what they do, somebody's got to do it. If we don't do it, then they're going to say, look at this mess. And, and they will, fair enough, make a mockery of some of the stupid things we've done. Yeah, I, I'm totally at home in a meeting where the Holy Spirit falls and, and people are shaking in his presence because the power of God is there. And I've laid hands on thousands of people and seen the power of God touch them. I ran into a fellow the other day. He said, you prayed for me three years ago. The fire of God fell in my life. He said, I haven't been the same. Your message touched me. And then you prayed for me. He said, the fire of God fell. I've been burning since I haven't been the same. And he's talking about loving God and walking in holiness. I rejoice with that. Some people have a problem with that. Okay, we differ. Some people say if it's really God, they wouldn't be shaking. Okay, we differ. We're going to have some differences. Some people say if it's really God, people be healed 100% of the time and on and on. Fine, we differ. Fair enough. But I fully understand why some critics have done what they've done. They see all the prophecies about COVID. It's going to end by, dissipate by, by Passover of 2020. It doesn't happen. And the people keep prophesying. That can't continue. 
Donald Trump will serve eight years in the White House. Not just he's going to win the election, will serve eight consecutive years in the White House. It's going to happen. doesn't happen. Just dance for it. We can't do that. So that's why I wrote the political seduction of the church, friends, out of a burden for the bride. If you don't have the book, I really encourage you to get it. You can get it on our website, sdrbrown.org, or online, Amazon. You can get the Kindle version or other websites as well. Make sure when you read it, the second chapter, drink it in. Drink it in deeply because that chapter will give you a picture of what Jesus has called his bride to be. When we take hold of that, we'll be jealous to represent him rightly to the world. Am I speaking your language today? Are you with me? 866-348-7884. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know what I'm going to do if you are watching right now on YouTube and you have a question you'd like to ask me or a comment you'd like me to interact with. We're going to grab some of your YouTube questions and comments as well. I haven't done that in a while. But first, can you do me a favor to just help get this message out to more people if you're watching on youtube just click on the thumbs up take a second click on the thumbs up there great and then if you got a question just put ask dr brown at the beginning of it at ask dr brown so we'll spot it our team will spot it more readily and i may grab some youtube questions as well as some comments all right 866-348-7884 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. Any question of any kind, it could be a Bible question, theology question, but we go totally off topic with some of your calls. Now, I just want you to know, I am scheduled to leave for Poland tomorrow and then uh, do three days of ministry in Poland, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because of that, we have some special programming that's going to be coming your way the next three days. All yours truly. But I won't be able to take live calls. And then Monday is my day of travel back, God willing. And we've got special programming. I, I really believe you're going to be blessed by the broadcast and stirred and encouraged and informed by, by the shows. But I won't be able to take live calls. So if you want to call in with a question you would have asked on a Thursday or a Friday, that's why we've opened the phones yesterday and today as well. 866-348-7884. Okay. I just got a note from Daily Wire. They let me know when one of my articles posts. I've been, I've been writing, in addition to my articles on other websites every week, I'm, I'm only writing four general articles for all websites and then one exclusive for the stream, uh, James Robinson's publication, stream.org. So there are only five articles a week. But I've added a little bit uh, since Daily Wire reached out to me back in April to start writing content for them. And I've been writing probably on average a couple of articles a week. So this is for Daily Wire subscribers, but I think they've they probably got close to a million subscribers by now, I, I guess. Uh, so uh, 
it's it's a lot of folks we get to to share with and most of the content of what i'm writing for daily wire is biblical in nature uh yes yeah, so so um getting to do that and my latest article for daily wire subscribers is called brood of vipers let's not equate the sharp words of jesus with today's angry rants and what what often happens is this when when i encourage folks and say look let's speak the truth in love let's let's go by what paul wrote in ephesians 4 29 that that nothing unwholesome should come out of our mouths but only that which is good for the hearer which is going to help the hearer or I'll, I'll go to colossians 4 6 that says that our speech should always be great full of grace and seasoned with salt uh, or ephesians 4 earlier that we speak the truth in love that people say so you're just being weak brown you're just being weak you're not so you're, you're not strong enough I, I, i'm going to be like the jesus that that called out the pharisees and called them a brood of vipers i'm, I'm going to be strong you're, you're, you're too weak. You're like the hippie Jesus. You know, turn the other cheek, hippie Jesus. Well, Jesus did say that, that we should pray for those who persecute us, that we should bless those who curse us, right? And that we should not retaliate. I mean, he, he did say all of that. That's turn the other cheek. But, but, <clears throat> uh, in, in, in point of fact, when Jesus rebuked the religious hypocrites, he did so out of love. Yeah. Strong words, but because he loved people. Sometimes we're just angry. Yeah, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Come on. Am I the only one who has responded quickly and then posted, thought, oh, why did I do that? And sometimes you, or you texted somebody and you, <clears throat> yeah, you can't pull that one back. You can't delete that. Have you ever done that? Or left a voicemail prematurely before you process something? Well, Jesus did not speak out of the flesh, but out of the spirit. And then Jesus died for those people that he rebuked. Is that the kind of love we have? Is that the kind of love where you get alone and you weep for those people in prayer and cry out to God to, to, to help them? Is that the kind of love we have? Because when you do that kind of rebuke, because we are called to rebuke, it's through the Bible. It's through the whole Bible. And again, if you're a Daily Wire subscriber, you can, you can read the, the full article. But it's through the whole Bible this call to rebuke and correct. So the, 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 question, the question is, uh, do we really care about the people we rebuke? Are our hearts breaking for them? Or is it just, I'm angry with you. How dare you do that to me? That's not righteous anger. That's fleshly anger. Jesus spoke what God gave him to speak. Am I really going to say that post I just posted blasting somebody? That was by the Spirit? So let's not compare our angry rhetoric with the words of Jesus. Fair enough? Does that sound fair enough? 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to the phones. Paul in California, welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Hey. Yeah, uh, just want to start off. I'm so thankful for your ministry, and uh, I've, I've learned a lot, and uh, I just continue to be excited to hear, to be able to stand up for righteousness in this generation. So, praise God. Well, thanks. Uh, hey, hey, Paul, one, one quick thing. Are you speaking directly into your phone? Because it's a bit of a bad connection, a little bit hard to hear you. Because if you've got me on speaker or something... 
If you could speak directly into the phone, it would help our listeners immensely. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, I was on speaker. Uh, um, uh, all right, ha- hang on, hang on. We all forgive you, Paul, but that's like the... <laughs> That's the radio transgression, man. All right, but we forgive you. Don't don't feel oh, condemned. I see. All right. Okay. Thank Go you ahead. so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my question, my question has regards to some experience that I have. I'm a firm believer, uh, you know, in the in the, the work of the spirit and the gift mm-hmm. of the spirit as well. Um, and uh, I, I grew up not in that background, but I I, I kind of thir- I hungered and thirsted for it. But I had an encounter with. Uh, a false Holy Spirit, and I received uh, even demonic gifts. Um, not to go super into it because it's a long story, but I was just, uh, you know, I, I really want to get your insight into that. Have you uh, had experiences and encounters with uh, having to um, kind of confront, uh, you know, a false Holy Spirit and false gifts within the church or in different contexts? And then even, even uh, do you have examples of the working of discernment of the Spirit? in this kind of context. Yeah, so, so Paul, again, uh, I can't interact with your own experience and you're not asking me to because I'd have to sit and, and find out the whole history and details. Number one, of course. I have come under attack by demonic spirits and it's where, I, where I knew for a fact this is a, a demonic spirit attacking, it, it could have been physically or other ways where, where, where I knew it. You know, I I remember distinctly the night after a very intense confrontation uh, with some really demonized people going going back home, uh, getting in bed, and I was on the right side of of our bed. That's where we sleep, on the right side, Nancy on the left. And I distinctly felt something, someone touch my right shoulder. So again, it's on the far side of the bed. Distinctly felt someone touch my right shoulder. What was that? Woke up the next morning with 104 fever, ended up with pneumonia. And I got hit with viral and bacterial pneumonia at the same time. That was one of those distinct demonic attacks in that regard. I've, I've had other things where people were delivered and there was some demonic pushback. So, of course, I've encountered that. I have seen people who claim to be speaking by the Spirit, but were, were either just in the flesh or in some cases operating under a demonic spirit. Uh, I've seen many times where people said, I had this confirmation, that confirmation, and I, uh, or some specific instances come to mind, and I said, that's contrary to the word or contrary to what we know the Lord said to you, and it's almost like the spell broke, and they realized, okay, those were just like tests. But mm-hmm. I, I would say, Paul, that the, the thing that is most real to me right now is that I have to believe that on some level, some of those who falsely prophesied Trump's re-election were demonically deceived. Some were presumptuous. In other words, they got it right in 2016. They just kind of felt the same way and were presumptuous and thought they'd get it right again in 2020. And I deal with this. There's a whole chapter in my book, The Political Seduction of the Church, about the false prophecies, and then another chapter on the genesis of false prophecy, how it happens. Some just got caught up with the crowd. All these people prophesied on Trump's re-election. They prophesied it as well. But those who claim to have supernatural dreams, visions, encounters, where they were told that Trump will be eight years in the White House, then unless it's just figments of their own imagination, they've got a very uh, fruitful imagination, and it's just figments of their own imagination, in some cases, I do believe that they came under a deceiving spirit, that their lives were 
so out of line with God that they've opened themselves up over the years to so much false revelation that rather than seeking God and his truth, they just open themselves up to these encounters that God gave them over to deceiving spirits. I, I have to believe that that happened in some cases, uh, as, as spoken in a different context in Second Thessalonians 2, where, where with the Antichrist, God gives people over to deception because they refuse to love the truth. So those that would not be corrected, those that have departed from truth of Scripture and relied on exterior revelation for years, it's no surprise if they're given over to deception. It's a dreadful, dangerous thing to think about. Hey, Paul, I appreciate the call. We'll get back with more of your calls, 866-348-7884 is the number to call. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-348-7884. Do you get my emails? We've got a really important e-blast we're about to send out. Oh, big news, really good news. We're about to send out. But if you don't get the emails, you won't know. Oh, so go to the website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, and sign up for our e-blast, and we'll put you on our welcome tour. You find out more about my testimony from LSD to PhD, more about our three R's, revival in the church, gospel-based moral and cultural revolution in society, and redemption in Israel. Speaking of Israel, uh, Brother Jerry on YouTube was wondering what my take on the red heifers being taken to Israel so I, I talked about it on, on the broadcast last Thursday. So, Jerry, you can check out that broadcast, The Line of Fire, from last Thursday. So from, uh, what, five days ago. And uh, just to say very quickly, I never pay attention to these things myself. But because it is big news for Orthodox rabbis in Israel and gets, not, not all the rabbis, but many, and gets them talking more about the coming of the Messiah, then that's, that's a positive to me. That's of interest to me. It's, it's interesting that they came from a Christian farm in Israel, the Christian Zionists. The farm name, I believe, is Bonei Israel, which is builder of Israel. So God, the builder of Israel, and they're participating with him. I guess that's how they're looking at it. But five red heifers. And because they can't have blemish, I guess you'd have some identification like would pierce the ear and would, and would put something in the earlobe with identification. But they didn't do that because then it would have blemished it. So these Christians are very much aware of what's happening there. So that's what interests me. I don't follow the prophecy thing myself, but the fact it's of interest to religious Jews in Israel interests me. All right, let us go to Joshua in St. Cloud, Florida. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. I have a question in regards to the prophecy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you remember <laughs> that I called a couple months back um, 
And uh, you mentioned that, uh, I didn't get to respond, but you mentioned that um, throughout the history of the Church, there are, you know, I don't know if it was the 4th century or 5th century that you said, but uh, you said something about there being prophets throughout uh, the age of the Church. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you about those specific prophets. Do you know like them by name, or is there a specific work that they've written or anything like that that I can uh, look up? Or is it just something that others have said that yeah, there so were prophets around? The, I'm just curious. Yeah, two things. But By the way, I, I appreciate the fact that you think so highly of my memory that I remember every call, but I do happen to remember you because your name was spelled differently than normal. So that's uh, yeah. that tied in there. Okay, little advantage for folks to have a little different name. I remember it better. Okay, number one, I've made the statement that I believe that there have been prophets operating through church history, even if we haven't called them by that name. So I don't mean that everyone has had the title prophet or was looked at as you were giving prophecy, but I believe there have been many prophetic voices. You know, for example, Francis Schaeffer, I look at as a prophet. People, others would have called him that. Of course, he was a Christian philosopher, but I believe that he had prophetic insight and that he functioned as a prophet. I've seen people that are non-charismatic, that are Baptists, but I believe they, they speak as prophets. They have insight by the Spirit into what's happening in the world and, and speak for the Lord in these ways. Not saying, thus saith the Lord, but still prophetic people. So on the one hand, those people, you just go through history. Sometimes it's the reformers. It's the ones that were bringing wake-up calls to their generation. They would be the prophets in their, in their generation. Uh, David Wilkerson referred to Leonard Ravenhill as, as, as a prophet, or A.W. Tozer did, even though he never would have taken that title. They recognized that prophetic calling on his life. So that's just a generic thing I've, I've said. As for attestation of prophecies that you have church leaders talking about through history, different centuries, gifts being uh, uh, operating, demons being driven out, sick being healed, prophecies being given. Yeah, you have different examples of that. Uh, a, a, a very usable compilation is by Eddie Hyatt, H-Y-A-T-T, uh, 2,000 Years of Charismatic History. I think that's the, the name. It's, it's definitely, well, tell you what, I'm, I'm just going to make sure I have the name exactly right. Uh, if you go to look it up. But that, that's a book you can get, and it'll just list things. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 2,000 Years of Charismatic... Yeah, Eddie Hyatt, H-Y-A-T-T. 2,000 Years... Eddie. Hyatt, yeah, H-Y-A-T-T. 2,000 Years of Charismatic Christianity. So this is just a book you can go through, and you may accept every example he gives. You may have difference here and there. But bottom line is that, that you will see many examples through history of church leaders speaking about this, speaking of miracles, speaking of healing, speaking of demons being driven out, speaking of prophecy. The whole idea that this ceased when, when the canon was completed, which is, of course, is a completely unbiblical, illogical argument and his historically false on top of it, it really breaks down when you look through church history. So that that's a can useful... I, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, can I just say that I think that every time I dialogue with someone about prophecy or the charismatic gifts, 
I end up realizing that we have different definitions of what prophecy is. Mm-hmm. For example, I have friends that I love, and you know, they're my brothers and all. But they'll they'll talk to me about prophets who can prophesy falsely, and I think there's a big difference between what I consider true prophets and what they consider true prophets. And I think that uh, name calling one another is just not helpful. And I, I think there needs to be more clarity in these discussions, even though I know that people may have assumptions about me, even though I don't like to call myself a cessationist. Um, I do believe in the continuation of the gifts. I just don't, um, I don't see any real clear cut examples of how it was. In, and I know that a lot of my friends will tell me that, well, it was different in the the time of the apostles because it was somehow, you know, more mightier back then or something like that. That's what they would say. Um, but I, I just, I'm afraid that I have so many friends who are non-believer or non-believers that are confused by what charismatics often say that, that I know of. I'm not right, confusing but, but, you of anything. Yeah, so there, again, there are two sides to this. One is there's been a lot of foolishness. I just addressed it earlier in the show. And we brought reproach, and we've, we've made a mockery of the things of the Spirit. We brought reproach to the name of Jesus. We've hurt the gospel. We've hurt other Christians by some of our charismatic foolishness. I grieve over that. That's on us. That's our lack of accountability. That's our, our lack of policing things within, within our own movement. Uh, and that's shameful. That's one side of it, and I don't deny it, and I don't, uh, I, I don't diminish the seriousness of it. On the other side, it's very clear in the New Testament that prophecy is to be tested. That everyone, Paul writes, you can't all prophesy. So everyone potentially could prophesy by the Spirit to the point that Paul has to write in First Thessalonians 5, don't despise prophecies. If, if it was all powerful words and, and nobody ever spoke in the flesh, or, or no one is ever out of order, and nothing ever came that seemed strange or obscure, he would need to say that. And, and then, there's also the one, don't put out the Spirit's fire, test everything, and hold fast to the good. This is something that's supposed to be happening in an ongoing way in our churches. There's, there's not a stitch of Scripture, not a stitch of Scripture, that hints in any way that this activity will stop. Or that those words that Paul spoke, or in 1 Corinthians 14, when he says, eagerly desire the gifts, especially that you should prophesy. There's not a syllable in Scripture that rescinds that, that takes that back. Therefore, if we're going to be Bible people, word people, we should be eagerly pursuing the gifts, especially that we can prophesy, and understand that there has to be testing and critical judging, because potentially everyone can do it. And therefore, you may have something from the Lord and share it, and, and... and you went on sharing too much. God gave you something and you added to it. So there's correction that's brought as opposed to stone the person because this is not a national prophet speaking to the nation when no one else has the spirit in that same way. There are massive distinctions there. Yeah, um, I guess I would just have to disagree with the idea that true prophets, for example, Agabus, people say that, well, he had inaccuracies in his prophecy, but that's not true. That's, that's not what the scripture says. Um, and I well, have, let me let me I let have. me ask you a question, Joshua. Let me ask you a question. Yes. First Kings nineteen, God tells Elijah 
that he is to anoint Hazael, king of Aram. He, uh, uh, he is to anoint uh, Jehu, king of Israel, and Elisha as his successor. This is a word from the Lord to him. Okay? Does that happen? Um, what verse it was? First Kings chapter 19. This is the, this is the word that, that God gives him. All right, First Kings chapter 19. I just want to ask if this, this is God speaking to him. This is not through a prophet. This is a direct word from the Lord. And here, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you for those that are. Um, the Lord said to him, go back by the way you came. This is verse 15. And onto the wilderness of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael as king of Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of, of Evel uh, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. All right. Did Elijah do that? Um, I, I have to look more into that. Yeah, go ahead and look into it. He didn't. He, he, he only anointed Elisha. Elisha then had the prophetic word for Hazael, and then Elisha sent someone to anoint Jehu. So you could, then God was a false prophet based on that criteria. God spoke falsely. Or could it be, just like Agabus' prophecy in Acts 21, that it doesn't always unfold exactly as we expect. What is spoken overall is true, but often in prophetic language, things don't unfold exactly as we expect. So you study that out, Joshua. Based on your criteria, would you say that God prophesied falsely? Or would you say some things unfold in ways a little different than we expect, and we would be wrong to throw the whole thing out accordingly? All right, God bless you, man. Look forward to talking again. We'll be right back with more of your calls. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the Line of Fire broadcast. If you think of me as you listen to the broadcast in the days ahead, I pray for safe travels as I go to Poland for the first time. I've been out of the U.S. probably about 200 times, if I include Canada and Mexico overseas over 160 times so a lot of trips a lot of hours and a lot of flights and that's something i i enjoy doing love to be with the people in other countries you know zoom meetings are great i've done zoom meetings indonesia south africa you know you don't have to leave the house india but boy i, I love being with the people i love experiencing god with them together and even though i've been to europe scores and scores and scores of times I've never been to Poland, so really looking forward to this. Thanks for praying that God will, will meet those hungry and thirsty there. And, you know, because, what, it's six-hour time difference, so not as bad as some places where it's 12, 14 hours time differential, but uh, six hours time difference and then travel, jet lag things, and a uh, good-sized ministry schedule. So just pray for rest, strength, and, and for the clarity of the Word and the Spirit to, to touch the people. I really appreciate it, and I think you're going to enjoy each day of special broadcasting we have prepared for you. All right, with that, 
We go back to the phones. We'll start in Dayton, Ohio. Glenn, welcome to the line of fire. Dr. Brown, I just wanted to call this afternoon, and I just wanted to say thank you so much. I'm very thankful also for the uh, Truth Network and, and uh, program li- programs uh, like yours, similar to yours. I listen every day on my way home from work, and my dad used to be a Baptist preacher in Indiana. And uh, growing up a preacher's kid, um, as uh, many of your listeners may know, you really live under a um, a spectacle. And um, I had got away from the church for a long, long time. I saw the politics of it. I really appreciate what you're highlighting with the way that um, it, it can sour the milk, so to speak, um, both outside of the church and business inside of the church. Just got absolutely sick of it. And my father always had the um, uh, painting hanging inside of the entryway of our home that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, mm-hmm. almost to an extent that he kind of forced us um, to do so. So I had not only walked away from the church, but ran. And uh, now I'm much more freely on my own, able to listen to your broadcast, the very interesting conversations that you um engage in and provoke us to think about. I wanted to share a quick story with you. I recently took my boy out fishing, as we love to do. And my boy, man, with his words, at eight years old, he he um, just convicted me out of my shoes just about. He said, now, when you're fishing, as you may or may not realize, a lot of times you want to be as quiet as possible so that you don't scare the fish, so to speak. So we're out there, and it's coming down to dusk, and, and uh, my boy says to me, at eight years old, Dad, if we get lost in the woods, do you think that they'll send anyone, send anyone to come looking for us? And, and I said, well, Luke, I said, I, I would like to think that if we take off in the woods, we're going to be able to find our way back out. But, yeah, surely if we get lost in the woods and we're gone a while, surely to goodness Mom will send someone looking for us. So a little bit goes by, and, and uh, he's still thinking, and um, I'm just wanting him to be quiet, but he's still thinking and his mind's still working. And he said, Dad, I was recently watching a YouTube video, and he said these guys were out fishing at sea. And one guy fell overboard, and after his crew realized he'd fallen overboard, they turned around to search for him, but they couldn't find him. They had to get the Coast Guard and the helicopter involved. And as they came out to search and look for him, the, the Coast Guard finally found him. His own men didn't, but it took the Coast Guard helicopter to find him. And he was cold and he was scared. And I said, boy, Luke, I bet he sure was happy. He was he was found and saved. And he said, oh, yeah, Dad, he was. He was freezing cold. So another 30 seconds or so goes by. And he says, Dad. And I said, yes, Luke. Just wanting him to be quiet at this point. And, and it's slowly sinking in and creeping in on me. So I'm doubly wanting him to to settle down with this conversation. He said, Dad, he said, if we die and go to hell, not even God is going to come to save us there. Mm. What and a lie. Wow. I mean, what a yeah, yeah. So he has always said that he, my father was a preacher and a pastor, and so was my grandfather. People always ask me, and I said, no, 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 I'm not the preacher. I don't have no interest in it. I've seen the... Uh, um, the the business end of that, and I said, I'm not interested. But my boy proudly tells folks that he wants to um, 
be a game warden and a preacher both. And I laugh, I laugh at it because he says he wants to save animals and save people. Come on. And I love him to death. What a tremendous blessing that the kid is. Yeah. But um, that's, back that's, around. Uh, yeah, Glenn, back thank, around. thank you. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt there. But thank you for the good word. That's quite a story. If we die and go to hell, then even God can send people to find us there or save us from there. You cross that line, there's, there's no return. There's no U-turn. There's no take it back. There's no mulligan. Oh, do I get another shot? What a serious word. And thank you for sharing this. Uh, Dayton, Ohio, we've got a couple of big stations in Ohio on the Truth Network that we got on the last year or so. So, so glad to have you. As our listeners, I'll, I'll make sure to pass that on to our friends at the Truth Headquarters. Glenn, thank you so much. And you, you may have a little more preacher in you than you realize. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think so. I think so. All right, let's go to Lancaster, California. Keisha, welcome to the Line of Fire. Thank you, Dr. Brown. I appreciate you so much taking my call. Thank you. Sure. Um, I just have two really quick questions. Uh, number one, do I have to attend the same church as my husband if I'm no longer receiving from the pastor, the teaching? And number two, since both my husband and I, well, we both work, do we both have to tithe off of separate incomes or does his, um, his tithe cover our household since he's the head of the household? Got it. Thank so the, the, let me answer the second question first. Think of it in terms of get to, not have to, get to. Do we get to tithe on all the income or just part? How much of your income do you want God to bless? How much of your income has God helped you to earn? That's what you should tithe from. So if, if you believe in tithing, then yeah, it's on everything. And you're saying mm -hmm. the first fruits of everything we get, Lord, belong to you. And we want to mm -hmm. honor you with that. And as you do... He'll bless. I remember a pastor, someone said to him, do we tithe on the net or the gross? He said, what part do you want God to bless, the net or the growth? The gross. <laughs> so you can, don't do it in a legalistic way. Do it right. joyfully. I encourage you to meditate on 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians okay. 8 and 9. And then go from okay. there. Okay. As for attending a different church, that's for you and your husband to decide. In other words, it's not ideal. It's, it's, right. not, it's not the best situation because yeah. you, you want to be impacted together. You yeah. want to serve together. You want to be involved yeah. together. You know, in many, many ways, it's, it's, it's counterproductive because you can't operate as a couple in the church. You can't bring your gifts together uh, to the church. Right. You can't receive together. If you're in a situation where you're just kind of climbing the wall, if you had any kind of other outlet, you know, to, mm -hmm. to go to... Like, Sarah, I'll go with you on Sunday morning, but I really want to go to this midweek Bible study or this Sunday night service or take this in on YouTube or, or something. Um, mm -hmm. Try to do that. If he says, hey, look, right now during this season, it's not ideal, but you go here and I'll go there. Again, it's not an ideal situation, especially once you have kids and you're bringing them Correct. into the equation. But if he says, hey, you do that, I do this, but we know it's just temporary until we can get God's mind and figure out a solution. Obviously, it's not the end of the world. And that's, that's yes, for the two you. of you to, to work out. You know what I'm saying? If, Dr. Brown, yes, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. And the reason I'm saying this is because he, um, he's, 
he's really close with the pastor and his wife, and he's he had a relationship with them before we met. We've been together for 22 years, so, um, and we've been going to the same church maybe about eight or nine of those years. And I, I haven't been receiving like the past three to four years. Mm. He says he still does receive, but he's also in the health ministry. And since he does have a, a really close relationship, I mean, I'm good with them as well, but he knew them before me, so he's really yeah. tied in. And, you know, when we met, he wasn't saved, and, and he, you know, started going to their church and all that stuff. So that's the first church he's ever yeah. attended, you know, in all his life. So he really, really wants to stay there. But I'm like, I don't know what to do because I want to be, I really want to get into church, Dr. Brown. I haven't been in a church since before the pandemic. I've just been listening to you and people on YouTube doing my Bible studies every day. But I, God knows I have such a deep desire to yeah. get back. So, you know, yeah, so and listen, I know that the church is not a building. It's, it's no, no, no. It's, I, it's I understand that. So you listen, know what I'm saying? Let me just, let me yeah. just jump in uh, just, okay. uh, just because I've, I've got the end of the show coming up. Listen, if your husband gives you his blessing, you've been married 22 years, right? So if, if, his hus- if your husband gives you his blessing and you're going somewhere else and thriving and blessed and healthy and he's serving, you know, it, it, again, it's not ideal, but what if he wasn't saved? You know, you'd be in different settings. Or what if he was in a traditional church that didn't know the Lord? And you, so you wanted to be in a vibrant church. Uh, if, if you can do it with his blessing, and with harmony, and it's not hurting your relationship, then who am I to tell you not to? Uh, so may the Lord guide you, and, and may you both find his very, very best will and plan. Friends, it's my prayer that the smile of God would be yours, that you draw closer to the Lord than you've ever been, and that he reveal himself afresh by his word and spirit in your life. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.